This is Localized from WUSC News. On October 22nd and 23rd, streets all over downtown Columbia were closed to celebrate the 32nd famously hot South Carolina Pride March. South Carolina's Pride Movement is a Columbia-based nonprofit whose mission is to support LGBTQ plus lives, educate the public, celebrate diversity, and advocate for inclusion and equality. Now we'll be joined by Jeff March from the South Carolina Pride Movement. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. So we know that the first Pride in Columbia was held around 1989 um, at the Island State Park. So during this time, we've seen that it was illegal for gay marriages, and people even wore clown uh, makeup to hide their identities out of fear. Now, 30 years later, Main Street is decked out in rainbows with giant floats accompanied by music and dancing. How does that feel? Is that considered a win? And what do you and the LGBTQ plus community hope to accomplish or see in the future? Well, I'm very proud of the lengths that we have come and the success we've had, especially in my last 10 years of leadership. Uh, it started as a march. In 1989, a group gathered together to form an organization, and the march happened down Main Street to the Capitol in 1990. That's where, how it all began. So uh, in my 10 years, the last 10 years, I can say that we have, ironically, with the numbers of attendance, we have 10 times as much as where we were now from where we started when I started in 2012. So that's a pretty good... That's a pretty good story there. We've grown a lot. A lot of it has to do with culture change. A lot of it has to do with acceptance over, over time and more people coming out now. The younger generation is coming out a lot more than back in the 80s and earlier than that. So um, I think it's really the success of the festival is a huge win for the city of Columbia and mm -hmm. even USC students. Wow. So um, for those of in the audience who don't really know what the purpose of the Pride March is, what is the purpose? Well, we, I like to consider it the loudest voice of the LGBT community here in South Carolina. We have the biggest exposure, obviously, with about 100,000 people, 125,000 people that attended this past weekend. Uh, that's a lot of exposure to our booths, to our awareness, to just to our community. But that wasn't all LGBT people. It was our straight allies. It was our families and friends and our neighbors that came to join us as well. So we got a lot of our messages out and I'm, I'm just thrilled with the attendance and the diversity of the crowd. Going off of the diversity of the crowd, how has the culture going towards more younger generations coming out helped fuel this movement? Well, I think it's pushed a lot. I think that um, the, the newer generation is going to have to come together and take this over and take it to the next level. Um, I think that we have really been a lot louder, and our, uh, the younger generation aren't quite as fearful as we were back then. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina is where the festival is held for South Carolina, and it is a very liberal city. We are. It's a very safe place to be. We did have preachers on the corner there um, th for the first time that was awkward but in all fairness they're there at Soda City too every Saturday so it's freedom of speech and nothing happened so what are you going to do but I think that we have progressed so very much and that that's a win for every member of the LGBT community here. So as the movement continues to progress how can people become 
effective allies to the movement? Well, the one thing that we had difficulty with this year was we were lacking in volunteers. So we really need the newer generation to come along and get their hands wet in this. And we need volunteers along the year. There's so much you can learn. Uh, we had an internship program years ago, but we really need to uh, come and join, learn how this, this happens and what we all do and what all it takes to put on such a huge event. We also have Outfest in June, and we have the President's Ball, and we're gonna uh, hopefully add a couple more events in 2022. But we need, we need the kids to come along and, and help us out, tell us what you know, bring your experience and what your learning is, and let us show you what we've learned along the way. For all the viewers who are listening to this and thinking like this may be an opportunity for me, can you maybe detail what the responsibilities would be for them if they were to volunteer? We have, uh, it depends on what you want to do. We've got just about everything there is to do. Most of it is generated around event planning. Uh, but it could be sponsorships. It could be marketing. It could be, oh, uh, gosh, it, there's just everything. Entertainment. Um, there's there's so much to do. Uh, budget control. Um, there, there It's something for everybody, really, that interests you. Or if you just want to work a beer booth or something like that. Or ride in the parade. There's all kinds of great things to do. We've got a Brave the Rainbow campaign that's still going strong. We've got a lot of businesses wanting to be a part of that. Um, we just, it, it, be a part of us and help us uh, get the word out to everybody. So when it comes to bringing awareness, what issue in the LGBTQ plus community would you say is impacting you the most currently? Well, right now it's, um, we have to we're still struggling for equality. We haven't won that yet. I think a lot of people are getting confused when we won marriage equality. That was one item in the equality issue, but we're we're still not there yet. Uh, hate crimes are still legal here in South Carolina. Um, we lost that battle in May, and so there's still a lot more work to do. I think that everybody kind of took a deep breath when we won marriage equality and kind of accepted the win, but we're by far not done. Um, I think the transgender community needs our help and uh, as they are becoming more exposed and a lot of people are not in the general population do not understand that at all. So they, they are uh, victims of violence a lot. So I think that we all have to work together though to help each other out and I think coming together, we've got we've to reform our community and come together a little bit stronger again like we were in the 80s and 90s when we were fighting for equality and against HIV and all that. We've got to come back together and really work to progress us to the next level. I know that I had gone to the Pride Festival in like 2018 in New York and you could really see like that unity between everybody. So do you think there's differences um, between the atmosphere, the culture of where these Pride locations are and how does that impact someone's experience for going for the first time, for the eighth time? Mm -hmm. I think they're all very similar in uh, motives and motivation. I think that we, um, I went to that one too, and I went to World Pride the year after, I believe it was in 2019, right? Yeah. So, um, which was in New York City. And I felt very over, overwhelmed almost because there was such a huge amount of support. And I kind of, I went by myself so I could get a good feeling of it. But I think that we all have the same missions and agendas. So, they're very similar. It's all what you take and what you get out of it, really, um, by attending. Uh, but you don't get anything out of it if you don't come, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So 
course, we're still kind of in a pandemic. So how has COVID affected creating the marches and getting people to come out? I, well, there's good news in all of this. And that was the HRC, which is a human rights campaign, has done uh, surveys and research on the LGBT population and how we're getting vaccinated. And the last time I checked, which was about a month before the festival, we were up to 96% of our community is vaccinated. So we had a choice. Uh, I had a lot of decisions to make, and I kept my eye on that chart because, as you know, a lot of prides around us were canceled, canceled out, uh, dropped away, and um, from Charlotte to Charleston to uh, all the Atlanta, um, all the ones we were the last ones standing. Um, but as the numbers came down around us right before the festival, um, it was clear that I wasn't about to cancel and that I, I felt like if I did, I would be punishing a community that went and did the right thing and got vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So we moved forward uh, as safely as we possibly could. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Um, so this was also the first time in Pride history that you guys had all the profits go directly to Pride. So is there any... No? No. Okay, no, they, I did All the profits that. always go to Pride. Every oh, year. okay. Yep. So going back <laughs> then, so where do these profits typically go towards? Where are they allocated? Mm -hmm. Well, for years we were uh, supported the center and got the Harriet Hancock Center, which is uh, located on Woodrow Street. Um, we funded it. We uh, were partnered with them. And when I started, we decided to focus on growing both organizations. So the leader of the center uh, focused on just the center issues, and I focused just on Pride to grow them a lot larger. Because having one organization run them both was really, really difficult and challenging. I can't imagine now doing the work that it takes to do Pride and also having to run the center like we were back then. So we made the smart move to uh, really use our time better. Um, what was the question? Because I was going to Where are, like, the funds allocated towards? Oh, yeah. But uh, so for years, we were funding the festival. We actually, South Carolina Pride paid the center, uh, paid off the center. So it has got a, a nice asset there and a deed. But our funds still go to, right now, we're still trying to just pay for our festival. Uh, the budget hasn't changed much over the years. People would be surprised at what they see in the bells and whistles uh, of what it is now than what it is then. I was on the board before my 10 years as president, um, it really had, the budget hasn't increased that much. So we're still trying to afford uh, our, just our Pride Festival and our other fundraisers along the way. But uh, I have dreams that I'm not able to share, but we are stocking money away for something big in the future, hopefully the near future. But this year was a huge success. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you the the, Another reason why I stayed in the game when everybody else did is because corporations that are were in Charlotte and Atlanta and uh, all over the, uh, South Carolina that would normally fund and uh, support these prides that now dropped out were look had this money to give to LGBT organizations and since we were the last one standing we got a benefit from that right they all came to us but also because we were the last one standing we got an awful lot of attention from that. We literally stood at the top of the heap. So that was really good for South Carolina, in my opinion. Yeah. And being at the forefront of such a progressive movement, 
how has it personally impacted you and what impact do you hope to leave after you kind of step down or wherever you decide to go? I hope people remember my passion in making this grow. I was very determined and headstrong to, <laughs> I had a vision from the beginning and uh, to grow and grow and grow. And of course, fundraising was something I wanted to do to, I have a plan and a, and a dream to make something happen in the city. And I haven't gotten there yet, which is why I've stayed around so long in 10 years. And this year gives me hope uh, because we did take such a good leap financially that maybe now we're on a good, solid, secure financial situation where we can build a bank and um, make that little dream come true. But I'm very proud of the progress we've made. Like I said, when I started, it was about 6,000 people uh, at a, at in Finley Park. And now we're, 10 years later, we're at 100 to 125,000 people. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we're two days, we're two stages, we're Family Pride Street. We've grown so much over the years to accommodate an awful lot of, uh, of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we look forward to in the future? So you mentioned the President's Ball. Is that towards like the spring semester? I'm hoping, you know, back to my first year again, I hate to keep going back there, but my first year I did this event called the Comedy Center, the Comedy at the Kroger Center, mm-hmm. and I uh, had Joan Rivers. And so we literally put on an event that everybody came to. Then it was the first time. Uh, our prides before this were pretty much... LGBT-based, there were very, very few straight people there, and that's the first thing I noticed. It's the first thing I thought I had to change. Um, Straight people had to come to us to understand us. They're not gonna, if I was just holding a festival for the the gay community, then I would see it as just having another party. Um, So it was to get our message out, to get people comfortable around us, and one of the uh, tricks, my very first trick of this thing, was bringing Joan Rivers to the Coger Center. People came, whether it was private-related or not. We had our message out there. We had our banners. We had our table. And it changed everything. Um, I remember one of the uh, leaders of the county said um, that he congratulated me because he actually, we, I actually brought South Carolina brought out of the closet. Straight people knew now what it was. I was hanging banners on the lamppost on Main Street. Where now everybody knows what South Carolina Pride is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope to, we, we, since then we had Kathy Griffin, but it, then we took a break uh, for financial reasons. And now I think we're able to move forward with bringing back the Comedy Center next, the comedy event at the Coger Center. So I'm hoping that happens. Outfest is June 4th. It's always going to be the first Saturday of June. Mm-hmm. That's to celebrate Pride Month. The President's Ball, eh, it's whenever I can make it happen before Pride. <laughs> <laughs> it floats back and forth. Um, but it, it will happen uh, probably this year. I think it was in August, so it'll probably happen around then, too. I, but it could happen earlier. I don't know. We may bring back the Sweethearts Gala. We're talking about that. That's mm-hmm. a Valentine's Day thing. So, yeah. Well, lots of exciting things to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. When you have a successful year, we can do more things. So mm-hmm. and And each one is a fundraiser so we can make more money in the end so yes so um my question is related to the legislature so as you know this year they tried to pass trans legislature six times Mm -hmm. and every time it got struck down so what role did the um pride movement play in kind of getting that education out um to these legislators to vote no or to repeal this 
Well, if if we did anything, it wasn't successful. <laughs> um, like I said, we're the loudest, loudest voice, and that's our job. But there's other organizations. Uh, we have to remember when I told you that we kind of separated the organization so that we could we could thrive. Um, well, there's another organization there, and that's uh, South Carolina Quality, and they handle the legislation of that. And we don't like to get in each other's lanes. That's what they focused on. Uh, they stopped having events, so they're not in our lane, and the center does the programs for uh, South Carolina, like the trans groups and stuff like that. So as long as we keep vocalizing and be loud, that's our job. But legislation is really the uh, South Carolina Equality's job, and they're located out of Charleston. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I guess, what would be your favorite memory from one of the Pride Parades? Gosh, uh, in... No, five years ago, because this was the fifth year, it was tra uh, moving it to the night parade. And uh, it, we were the only night parade in South Carolina and the first. And making that happen took a few years. And we brought Little Kim there to because it was, yeah, she did a free concert after that. Mm -hmm. And we titled the whole thing Get Lit. And it was the perfect fit. And we keep that Get Lit going. And I just, it's to see that parade every year. Um, my fiance drove me through it, and um, this is his. This was his first pride, and uh, he's put up with me for the last two years, <laughs> not understanding why I do it. And I remember at the end of it, we both kind of had tears rolling down our eyes, and he goes, "I know why now." And it's like, yeah, it's there's something very powerful about the whole thing, and seeing everybody in their element and do so such a great job at lighting up their floats and just being present and together it's it's just an amazing feeling and i'm so proud of what what we've accomplished okay. well, i'm out of questions do you have any i have none left either but it was so good to have you on air thank, thank you. you so thank much you. i'm glad thank you for having me okay so that was jeff march from the south carolina pride movement thank you for joining us and that's it for this episode of Localize. Make sure to join in every Friday at 6 p.m. for a local take on the week's biggest stories. Localize is a production by WUSC News and is produced by Chelsea Bynes and Emmy Rabiro. The music for this show is called Freedom by Atch. If you want to listen to other news shows and WUSC News podcasts, you can find those on garnetmediagroup.org. Under WUSC News, all podcasting platforms. Plus, be sure to follow us on Instagram and social media for continuing show updates at WUSC underscore news. Live from WUSC FM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Brianna Rao. We'll see you next time. <laughs>